thank you so much for joining us today. Um, my name is Kalia Garrido, and I head up events and marketing here at Great Data Mines. Um, if you don't already know us, uh, GDM is a collective of passionate data activists, and we are on a mission to modernize the conversation around data. So we do this in one of two ways. The first is we have our services arm. This is at greatdataminesinnovationlabs.com. This is where we do strategic planning, education, and the deployment of critical data projects. And then we also have greatdataminds.com. And this is sort of the, this is the umbrella that we're under today. This is where our community lives, the conversation is happening, and this is where we have these great events with transformational thought leaders and technologists just like today. Um, so a little bit of housekeeping before we begin. This is a meeting, oh, sorry, this is a webinar. So as you can see, your cameras and microphones are off, but we love live conversation. And we welcome that in a few different ways. The first is that you can use the Q&A. Um, the second is that you can absolutely use the chat and we usually have that going. Um, and then third is if you make some indication to me via either raising your hand or the Q&A um, and let us know that you wanna speak, we'd be happy to unmute you and turn on your camera so you can ask a question live if you need to. Um, and so without further ado today, we are very excited to join hands in uh, the official capacity for the first time with our friends at Castor. Um, and we have two of the key members of the team here. We have Tristan Mayer, who's the co-founder and CEO. And we also have Brian Blevins, who is a part of the founding sales team at Castor. Uh, in, as always, I have, you know, my partner in crime, Mike Lampa, who is our chief analytics officer here at Great Data Minds and GDMIL. Um, and I think that's about it. Uh, Guy, thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited for this conversation. It's been a long time coming. Yep, likewise. Really excited. Awesome. To be here. Great. All right, Mike, floor is yours, sir. Well, thank you, Kalia, and good morning to you. Good morning to you, sir. And... Tristan and Brian, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. You know, um, just you know, a couple opening thoughts that I'm having before we get started. Um, you know, time and time again, we get involved in data governance engagements and or catalog, data catalog um, implementation type engagements. And, and time and time again, I see these engagements just, they fail to get adoption. And when we look into it, it's like, the, the, the tipping point is, you know, we create all these governance councils and then we got to identify data stewards and data owners and then we give them a full-time job on top of their full-time job. And, and I'm scratching my head thinking in this world of self-service, why can't we figure out a way to make the data governance tech disciplines and data catalog management techniques just a natural byproduct integrated in with the uh, everybody's day-to-day -day job as we're working with data and, and producing analytics, right? Um, instead of handing over to them, hey, you got a new role on top of your incredibly business, busy role today, especially in the business community. You know, so I'm looking for, how do we get to that point where it's just an integral part of working with your data and, and creating insights from your data? And that's what I'm kind of hoping to... Uh, see today with you guys. Um, so with that, that's just, that's my posturing for the day. I'm going to, I'm going to shut up now. Uh, but I have one last question. Tristan, could you give us a, a feel for the origin and the um, incarnation of Castor? Sure, Mike. Thank you very much. Uh, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining. Um, I 
cannot agree more. And to be honest, I've learned what data governance means after maybe a year and a half working at Castor. Uh, even though we're a data catalog company, I started out as a data analyst um, on the business background. Then I did a, a master degree in data science and um, didn't spend long in the data ecosystem, actually six months internship before just seeing there was a problem in the experience I had with data, spending half of my day looking for where to start. Uh, and at the end of the day, my favorite tool was Slack and was pinging my data genius to know where to start and what do I have in front of me. And even though everyone was talking about self-serve analytics and rolling out a BI tool to even non-data people or people outside of the data team, even myself, after six months in the company, I wasn't able to be fully autonomous on some important data sets and I had nowhere to start with. So that's where I start looking at how to replace my small Excel spreadsheet with the column names and their description uh, into something more scalable and maybe more common, centralized, um, starting looking for solution. And there wasn't really any that suited my need. That's how I started out Castor with my best friend, who was also a data scientist. Uh, we started to work around a few different things, uh, see what was done in the huge tech companies that you were at Facebook, at Spotify, Airbnb. They all developed internal tools. And we could find a few articles about them. Uh, obviously, there were internal tools not open source or, or at least not open to the public, but we just love those tools. We were exactly answering this need of where to start. And we decided, hey, let's just do it for everyone else, just a place to start, get the documentation and a nice search engine as everything in life. You start with the Google-like search experience. And that's how we started out Testo. And then our CPO and CTO, uh, two other founders, were head of data in the company. We started to um, try to sell our first weird, uh, clunky product, uh, and they ended up joining us. So we co-founded the company, two former data scientists and two former head of data, um, facing the issue and willing to give a, another look and feel to the data experience of data consumer in the company. Uh, and I'll let Brian uh, introduce himself and show a bit how it looks and, uh, and where are we at today? Uh, but really excited to be here and to, to end this conversation with you. Thank you for, for the invite. Well, thank you. you know, I, okay, so that's brilliant. Uh, a savvy business analyst that was frustrated with the lack of enabling technology. So you started a software company, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so uh, I love it too. I, I, it's interesting, I was working for Calibra and you know, Tristan and Xavier knocked on my door and they're like, hey, we've got this like plug and play catalog. I'm like, what do you mean plug and play catalog? Just out of interest, I, I wanted to understand it, you know, competitively. And uh, I took a look at it and I was like, wow, it's just, it makes a ton of sense for so many reasons. Um, decided to come on board and it's, it's been a great experience so far. But to Tristan's point, you know, uh, this, this concept of leveraging tribal knowledge and, and talking about data discovery, self-service, it's really difficult. And um, I think it rolls off the tongue for a, a lot of people and a lot of companies, but when you really take a step back, no one's really doing this well. And I think the reason why is because you've got different personas inside of these companies that are asking uh, different, different questions and they're all focused on different priorities and different use cases. So with Castor, uh, when they built this product, they really, um, took that to heart, I think, and, and really uh, kept that in mind as they were developing this, right? How do we meet all the different 
stakeholders and all the different teams and how do we make it simple for everybody to be able to come be able to find and use data. And um, when you really start to think about the challenges, so what we're doing, this concept of a, of a plug and play catalog, it's purpose built for adoption. And we focus mostly around um, the modern tech stack. So when we think about uh, you know, all the different data sources, the cloud sources that, that exist out there, we're seeing Fivetran for a lot of the ELT and all this data gets you know, dropped into the warehouse. Um, you know, we're starting to see DBT used for transformation of the data that's in the warehouse. And there's other tools as well that are there. Then you've got like the BI layer, right? For, for uh, visualization consumption. The problem is, is data documentation is siloed across all these different tools. Um, and, and that's a big problem for companies. Uh, they've got documentation that's just stale, it's out of date. No one really knows what anything means where it lives, how it's connected. Um, and what, what Castor's done is they've created, I'll say the front door to data, right? So really unifying the documentation discovery and lineage across all these different systems and making it super simple for people to be able to find, find and use data. So, and that's what we're gonna really be, be covering in today's, um, in today's session. So with that, I'll just jump straight into the product. Um, and you know, of course, Mike, if you've got questions or if anyone on the uh, on the chat has questions, feel free to chime in along the way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, you know, to that regard, you know, please everyone use that chat um, box there and send us your questions and uh, observations, please. Yep. Yeah, perfect. Um, so when you come into Castor, uh, it's pretty straightforward experience, right? So you've got the the company logo here, Tesla, by the way, this is, is not a customer yet. This is a demo account. We really like their company. Um, so you got your company logo, you got your Google-like search. You see your top dashboards that you might have in, in, in Tableau or, or Looker, or Power BI, your top tables that you might have in your warehouse. But the concept is to come in and be able to search for something. So in this case, I'm gonna search for the term user. And on the right-hand side, I can filter based on what I'm looking for, right? So if I just wanna see what tables and columns do we have or what dashboards are out there that are affiliated with user uh, or, or the knowledge page, this is, you know, think of this as your business glossary, KPI library, where you would keep, you know, uh, key definitions, et cetera. But filtering based on what you're looking for, um, it's worth mentioning though, that this is an intelligent search. So it's always done based on, um, popularity inside of the company. Uh, so when you're looking for certain things, you'll notice that the stars here on the right-hand side, the way that we're measuring this is, is, is based on, you know, how many queries against the table, how many human queries against the table over the last 30 days, and how many dashboard views uh, over the last 30 days. So it's consumers who are coming in, who are interested in using data, they're always getting served up what's being most popular in the co company first, and then kind of working their way backwards from there. Um, so, and then of course you can filter it by tags, uh, uh, owners, it, really, however you want to slice and dice it pretty straightforward. But when you jump into these tables, you get to see a couple things first, where the data lives. Uh, so in this case, we've got snowflake database schema table. You can see the data types. So if it's a float integer timestamp. You can see the names of each of these columns, the descriptions of these columns. I'll come back to that in a moment. 
whether or not there's a primary key, uh, who the owner is, is it a certified table, deprecated table, is there a PII that lives in the table, uh, query popularity, so how many times has this been, been, been read over the last 30 days, description, popular uh, or frequent users, click this button here to see the SQL that was used to generate the table. But one of the common problems that uh, we see is just around this concept of documentation. Uh, it's done through Confluence, Notion, Google Docs, uh, a lot of documentation happening in DBT. But how do we centralize all that and become you know, a single source of truth for that documentation? And Castor hand, handles that in a number of different ways. First way is if you've got existing documentation already, we bring that into Castor um, you know, for you and get that updated and documented. And if companies are, are, are documenting in, in DBT, that's automatically brought in as well. Um, you can also come in here and write your own description. Uh, so you can just, you know, plain text, come in, start writing whatever it is that you want for that particular, uh, particular field. Or you can actually, um, there's a recommendation engine in Castor that'll tell you, hey, these other tables have the same column name. Do you want to use that? Yes, great, copy, paste. And then lastly, you can propagate this at scale. So we see a lot of snowflake migrations or uh, people moving data into BigQuery or whatever their warehouse is. That's a great opportunity to be able to come in here and document this stuff. So you can actually come in here and take ID, maybe it exists in 3000 different tables. You could update that ID with a single click of a button and, and propagate that uh, across your entire warehouse if you wanted to. It's a really nice way to be able to um, efficiently also, also document what's in your warehouse. So any questions on, on this piece? Uh, Mike, maybe I'll make sure there's, maybe you can help me with the chat here and make sure I'm- Yeah, yeah, we're, we're reminded. We got one question queued up. Um, uh, we'll wait for a little bit on that then. Okay, perfect. Very good. Um, so moving on, this readme, it's associated with description. Um, so you can either click here or here. This is essentially giving users context around why that table exists in the warehouse uh, in the first place. Um, actually just got off a call uh, right before this call with um, a company who's actually uh, going through a trial with us right now. He just informed me that one of his key people are leaving. And it's timely because you know, that user can now come in and, and really start to document what's in the warehouse. Um, and then also you can understand what that user uh, has, how they've been using data, which I'll get to here in a moment. But just giving users context around why this exists in the warehouse. If you've got a README in Snowflake or um, BigQuery or Redshift, that'll automatically be brought in as well. But basically Markdown, super simple. It can be a single sentence. You can include links, you can put in SQL, however you want to do it. Pretty straightforward there. Um, lineage, this is really, uh, really powerful. Um, one, because it's fully automated. Uh, so everything that you're about to kind of see here is just uh, done automatically for you. But we represent lineage in two ways. One is from a list view. So you can just see kind of the parents, the children, and be able to dig into it uh, from this perspective. But you can also see it in a visual way. So a lot of companies, they want to be able to understand, you know, hey, these four tables were used to create this table. And then this is what this table is feeding downstream and really be able to open these things up, see the relationships. Um, I'd say 
a lot of the common use cases this unlocks is around like data engineering use cases. So um, impact analysis, you know, if I make changes to these tables and these columns, like what is this going to impact downstream and how do I get ahead of that? Another great one is around report certification. Maybe we have this monthly revenue report. You know, how do I know that the data that's feeding that is accurate data, clean data? Can it be trusted? Uh, if so, great, let's go in and, and, and certify and stamp that, that monthly revenue report uh, for, those, for those users so they know that, that it can be trusted. Um, or even, you know, uh, one of our customers the other day, uh, like, hey, we're going through a, a cleaning up a lot of the reports that we have in Tableau. Uh, by connecting to Castor, you'll have all of those uh, listed, what's being used the most, all the way to what's not even being used at all. Um, so we're seeing a lot of customers identify, like, what are our unused assets? Do we want to get rid of these altogether? Or maybe the hybrid in between where we've got duplicates that have been created. Let's go clean those up. A uh, lot of different use cases that this unlocks. But, um, and then, of course, along the way, you can click here and see the SQL along the way. So you don't need to go into Git and you know, do three or four different steps. You can see um, every step, what, what's actually happening, happening behind the scenes, um, leveraging the SQL there. So this is a bit about how, how our lineage works. Tristan, I don't know if there's anything that you want to add to this component. Yep, all good. Perfect. Um, so moving on, uh, kind of lending itself to that concept of, of discovery. Um, I'm going to kind of continue to piggyback off this concept of, of leveraging queries. So this is what it normally looks like when people come into Castor for the first time. Nothing's really documented quite yet. There's not an owner assigned. You don't, you know, it's not certified. You don't know if there's PII. It's not very popular. Like how could this be valuable for data workers? Well, we've got, you know, in Castor this, um, you'll be able to kind of see the, the mostly joined with tables created from tables and used in dashboards. I can refer to that really quickly. I can look at the frequent users and decide, hey, I want to, you know, reach out to these folks directly if I have questions. I can look at lineage, which I shared. But we've got this uh, queries tab which is really useful. And what this allows me to do is see who are the people that are running queries on this table. And then what are they joining this table with? And then I can come in here and start to look at, you know, what's happening. So I know on this day, Cheryl came in, you know, this is how she, uh, you know, built the query. This is how she did the join. And if this is the right way to do that, proper way to do it, you can actually come in here and pin this so people can see, you know, those pinned assets. This is super, super useful for um, a number of different things, but a lot, a lot of onboarding use cases in particular. So maybe I'm hiring a data analyst or a data engineer. Um, I was talking with one of our customers the other day, that like every single person who comes into our company gets a copy of Castor and it's part of their onboarding process. Whenever they have questions and they come to us, we send them here first to be able to find it. And if they can't find it, then we're kind of that next level of support. But just being able to understand, you know, how the data is being used, what it's being joined with um, is, is an incredibly power, powerful feature um, within Castor. 
And then to kind of add on to that a little bit further is you can also filter it by people, right? So I might join the company today and know that Elon is, you know, one of the key data folks on the team and highly respected. I can go look at what Elon is doing. Like what queries is Elon writing? What is he joining this stuff to? You know, what tables um, does he have access to? Uh, does he own or does he use most frequently? Same thing for dashboards. Uh, knowledge page, what is he contributing to from a documentation perspective? And then what is he contributing to from, uh, you know, updating the column levels? And, and, you know, we see a lot of companies who want to drive accountability with the team around documentation, and this is a great way to do it. Uh, one of the best practices a lot of our clients do is they'll run like, you know, an hour, uh, a week where the team all at the same time will come in, they'll document stuff. And this is a great way to be able to kind of track and manage what's being documented, uh, you know, in, in a lot of these tables. But, but super powerful, um, powerful feature in Caster. And then searching by popularity. Again, I'm brand new to the company. Uh, what's being used, right? We've got our most popular tables all the way to our least, you know, uh, least popular tables in the warehouse. We're starting to see like um, use cases around warehouse optimization and reducing costs, right? If we know that, you know, X number of users are coming in and you know, these are highly used tables and they're being queried often, a lot of these queries are similar. Let's create new tables and point users to there so we can reduce our spend on, on, on compute. Um, this is becoming more get kind of in the advanced use cases category, but it's, I think it's gonna be a really powerful one for a lot of businesses, uh, especially the ones that are uh, heavily invested in, in cloud. Um, dashboards. Uh, Mike, I don't know if there's any questions. We're gonna continue. Oh yeah, yeah, we got a few coming in. Um, <laughs> wanna... We got a lot of questions for you guys. You All right, well, let's do this. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll work through the tail end of this demo and then we can kind of work through those questions one by one. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, great. Yep. Fantastic. Um, perfect. So we'll keep the questions coming. Um, mm -hmm. Dashboards, uh, very similar uh, setup. You know, being able to come in here, got the monthly revenue report, right? What does monthly revenue mean to us as a company? You know, who's the owner of this dashboard? Who are the editors of this dashboard? If this looks like a relevant dashboard, I could actually go in here and open this up directly from Caster. Um, you know, and, and again, just that concept of discoverability, lineage. Hey, we've got this report. Where's this data coming from? Is this the right data? Uh, right now, you know, <laughs> a lot of companies, you ask this question to three different people, you're going to get three different answers. Uh, Castor eliminates a lot of that noise and brings transparency and trust to um, that kind of reporting uh, layer there. But super strong in Looker, uh, uh, super strong with Tableau, um, MetaBase we're starting to see more of. But anyway, whatever BI tool you have, we'll be able to support and work with. Um, I guess uh, the knowledge page, this is a... This is an interesting one, right? Because um, this facilitates a lot of dialogue inside, inside of companies. Um, but if, it's really easy to be able to come in here and start to document this stuff, right? So if we wanted to uh, create a, a, 
term called active customer, for example, right? We could do that, put in the de definition here, uh, active customer for the to arc, right? But you might have um, different teams that might view active customer differently, right? So you could do, say, active customer You could also come in here and do And in this, right, you might see it say for the marketing team, well, the marketing team, you know, active customer, it's generally affiliated with like these particular tables. And these are our most popular dashboards that you should be focused on. And then on the sales side, it could be, similar, right? We're seeing come in here and find these different assets. Well, maybe it's this one and that one and that one. And then, you know, maybe it's these three dashboards. Now, when users come in here, right? And they, they search for the term like customer, they could come in here and just see, right, what do we have here? We have active customer, we have active customer marketing. I'm on the marketing team. Okay, great. You know, it has to do with these particular tables or these particular reports. And then I can click these things and move directly to, you know, those particular assets. So really helping steer these users in, into the right direction there. And then you can also start to bring in tags, right? So maybe you want to create a marketing tag, um, you know, for that. So people, whoever, you know, comes across that, if they want to filter just by marketing, for example, they could do that as well. It's a really nice way to be able to, to leverage it, you know, um, I'd say most of our customers, they don't come in here and kind of filter on the left-hand side. You can. Most folks, when they come in here, they know they have an idea of what they're looking for and they just use the search capabilities in Caster. Um, and lastly, now we can kind of move on to some of these questions. Um, so we've got, um, we know documentation is, is a challenge. And with Caster, we want to automate as much of this as, as possible. So there are about 50 or 60 different cloud tools. If you think of like, you know, uh, Segment or Fivetran or Salesforce, we'll automatically document these things for you in Caster right away. So those will automatically be documented. Any, uh, you know, parent um, columns that have descriptions will be automatically propagated downstream so long as those haven't been changed to help reduce uh, the effort there. And then lastly, we have this concept of a, a column describer. So in this case, you can see that we've got, you know, five trans synced. Caster is going to tell you how many times that occurs in your warehouse, that particular column name. They're going to tell you how many descriptions of that column name you have, and then where it's missing, what tables that's missing in. So if you wanted to come in here and update this, you could, you could come in here with a single click of a button, bam, update all of those tables. Uh, again, doing this like efficiently versus manually. I had a, uh, a client tell us, she's like, Brian, I used to work for, for JP Morgan Chase and we had teams of people that were, that were assigned to go and do, do exactly this. She's like, this could have saved us so much time in, in, from a documentation effort. And that's really the goal here. It's like, you know, where are the gaps and, and how do we go fill those gaps? And I guess lastly, you know, when I was with Calibra and 
even here at Castor, we get a lot of questions around like, where do we start? Where do we start our journey? And my answer is always, you know, start with what's being used the most. Start with what's most popular, right? Because we know all of this. We have all of this. You know what tables people are using. And when you start thinking about driving adoption around these catalogs, which is the critical thing, you, you, you want to start with what's being used the most. So let's make sure that we assign an owner here. Uh, let's make sure that we're uh, describing the, the table and, and we're describing a lot of these columns and let's work our way down, you know, and, and over time, this evolves, it becomes a living, breathing thing. People come in, they start to tag things, connect these things. And that's where platforms like Castor, that's where it becomes incredibly fun and incredibly powerful. Um, yeah, I think, Tristan, I don't know if there's anything that you want to add that maybe I I miss that we might want to cover? Uh, I don't think so. Um, just mentioning uh, it's worth it that we do also support a column level lineage on which you haven't go through. We've only shown the, the table level, but it's also supported at the column level and it's supported in the backend propagate description. So whenever you document in a row table on your warehouse, like one of the first one you ingest, as we track column lineage and we're able to see whether the column has been altered from a parent asset to a children asset, if we see that it's just a select between the two tables, we just propagate the description. The idea behind that is that, well, to drive adoption and to start with a, a catalog, you don't want it to be empty. So during the first few weeks, we make sure everything is filled in um, through all our automation, the way we can batch propagate the propagation with column lineage, and there's a few other features for all the standards data set we see in your stack. Uh, if, you ingested, if you're ingesting some third-party data with five channel stitch like Salesforce or, or Facebook ads or, or Zendesk, those are tables, schemas uh, that we see in most of our customer instances. And so we've looked at the public documentation and whenever we spot one of the tables we know about from famous or common uh, third-party tool, we can auto-document it for you, but you don't even need to describe those and it will be automatically done from Castor. So really super important, start with something that is filled in, start by leveraging anything, any documentation that has already been undertaken in your company, whether it's Excel spreadsheets, whether it's Confluence, whether it's in DBT doc, whether it's in your BI tool, try to fit the gaps, uh, propagate wherever we can, and then roll it out. Everyone have their profile page, the tool is super intuitive. Um, and the idea that this can be used by in which anyone in the company, anyone having a look at the dashboard, anyone writing some SQL to keep track of what's being relevant, who you can ask, and hopefully get finally more autonomous and contribute to the good health of your, your data stack. That's that's what we want with Castor, and that's how it looks um, today. Great call out, great call out. And I guess, you know, the other thing that I would say is, is um, to set this up, it takes 30 minutes. So instead of, you know, the, the classic, you know, spending thousands of dollars, having an army of resources, um, you know, to get these things off the ground. I mean, this is truly uh, plug and play. And, you know, when I first heard that, <laughs> it's like, well, is, is, does it really work like that? It really does. I mean, I, uh, the onboardings are still shock me because it's so, so smooth and so quick and so many light bulbs go off once you kind of actually get in there and start seeing your own ecosystem and the data, the mapping, all of it. Uh, pr 
pretty powerful. All right, so with that, let's uh, maybe move over to, um, to questions. All right. First one I got here is from uh, Gab Tan Tech Info, <laughs> whatever that might be. Um, why are the uh, Microsoft Azure Synapse and SQL Server excluded from being considered modern data stack? Oh, so that's a good, good point. <laughs> so we actually support Synapse. Um, and so that's, that, that, that's done out of the box. We also support SQL Server. Um, I guess where we generally like to start is with the cloud warehouse first mm -hmm. and, then, and then move to the on-prem. The reason for that is usually with catalogs, um, we want to focus on where a lot of the analytical use cases are driven from. And that's usually the, the those cloud warehouses. And there's a reason people are moving there. So we definitely support Synapse um, out of the box as well. Uh, and then we also do support on-prem sources. It's just not ideal for us to start there. We prefer to start the cloud warehouse. All right. So if I had an Azure SQL server, then that essentially you would consider that a cloud uh, database as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and just a kind of a follow-on. Why is only Power BI accepted in the modern data stack company? You know, and the rest is excluded. Um, just kind of general observation. I think uh, from from that question, as uh, they're out there visiting all the information that's around the modern data stack. All right, I got another one here for you guys. This one's from Smitha. Um, is the ability to document the descriptions open to all users or can you lock it down? That's, that's a great question. So yeah, so we, can, we lock that down. Um, generally what we see clients do is, so we've got three different roles. We have an admin role, contributor role, and then a read-only role. Mm -hmm. So um, when we open this up, generally we'll have admins and contributors mm -hmm. uh, who will come in and start to do a lot of that documentation first. And then once that documentation's in there, that's when we see kind of the, the roles get a little bit tighter over the course of time. Mm -hmm. But early on, it's, it's a really interesting exercise to go through because you have people throwing what they think documentation is or should be. And this helps you create the framework on how you manage these definitions. And, mm -hmm. and this is where, you know, oftentimes, you know, I might have a definition. You might have one, Mike. Tristan might have one. You guys are all right. Everyone's right. So let's make sure that we capture that and put that in there and we can identify that. So mm -hmm. uh, we do have um, user-based access based okay. on the, the roles and permissioning in Castor. Yeah, okay. if I may so add a few, a few things. Sorry, yeah, if I may add a few things here, um, there's a few important points. The first one is whenever we retrieve description from other tools like DBT or even from the warehouse, uh, it's rare, but sometimes we have people documenting in the comment section of the information schema. Um, this is not editable in Castor. So to make sure the work of the data engineers and the work of the analytic engineers is not overwritten in Castor. And we are very good at compiling and making sure we handle well competition between description. But to be honest, uh, at the end, and to give you as well the, the kind of philosophy behind Castor, um, we didn't have the, the read-only role for a while. Uh, of course, with the course of time, we included it. But the idea being, everyone should be able to document. Like we've really rarely seen too much documentation. <laughs> I guess mm -hmm. maybe never. Uh, and so we really want to encourage that and then review a posteriori. So we have the version control and we see it installed in the history tab and 
owners are, are, are notified whenever there's description, but we do really push for, yeah, encouraging people to document and making it a kind of challenge because, yeah, it's not like, we know that it's not a fun part. So we try to make it as collaborative and as, uh, as powerful as possible. Um, but we do support now the different roles uh, because for some larger companies, it's obviously super important. Mm -hmm. So given we have the ability to lock down who can submit and update descriptions, uh, does Castor also have a workflow set up um, to be able to receive suggestions and go through an approval process before they're committed? Yeah, so there's notification for the owners and the admins, uh, but yeah, the, the process of assigning ownership, you know who's responsible for what is super important and maybe the best way to start assigning owners to the most important tables responsible for the documentation. Some of our clients even have OKRs and documentations. Um, and then afterwards they are being notified. We do integrate so very well with Slack. You can retrieve some tribal knowledge from Slack within Castor. That's another interesting part of Castor, but yeah. Notification and approval process are, are part of the tool as well. Okay, awesome. Uh, Smitha has another question. Is the lineage shown only for data flows within the data warehouse? Uh, and if that's true, um, if the answer to that is yes, how would this be different from lineage uh, provided by ETL, ETL tools such as DBT? Yes, so it's from the warehouse and after the warehouse, so up to the BA tools. It's mostly SQL based. We do also connect to other um, ETL tools like Fivetran, and we do also backward engineer some lineage from S3 or data lake to the warehouse, but everything is based on the SQL log. So how different it is from DBT? First of all, it's you have the column level lineage, which you don't have in DBT. Maybe it's more accessible. There's a lot of similarity, even though it's not the same use cases. Lineage is a, the technology and how we display it and make it accessible. Um, the truth is, usually lineage can go to spaghettis. So the way to have also a nice list view is simple enough, but super powerful. Being able to see the sources as well for each and every table uh, is my ID coming across Salesforce and Desk. Super powerful, just in a click, you have you have this. And then expanding up to the BI tools and being able to see the users of the downstream assets, not only the downstream assets with any context around it. And so there are a few things we provide on top of the of the, of the lineage from DBT, for example. And we do also track anything outside of DBT. If you have other, other jobs running on Airflow or other, other transformation tools, um, or even just scheduled queries and BigQuery, for example, we track all of them and yeah, get up to the VA tool. So it's, it's, it's even more powerful and it's accessible to everyone. DBT can be a kind of siloed for the analytical engineering team or, or the data engineering team. Here, the idea that it's really, really open. You can go into the technical details if you open the SQL script and the show SQL, but otherwise the idea is just, yeah, super simple, elegant, um, well-designed lineage for, for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I believe we have answered it, but I'm gonna ask the question because it was posted. So lineage is not just on data sets, you can drill down to attribute level uh, lineage. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, okay, great. Another question that was from Stefan, by the way, uh, that, that last question. Uh, Gab Tan Tech is back again, asking if quote knowledge um, is is that a business glossary, just not named so. I mean, is a, a collection of business terms. Uh, we see very different uh, use cases answered by the knowledge tab, uh, so that's why we keep it open. 
Um, the truth is with business closure, we want to make sure it's not additional assets that you create on top of the thing that already exists. Uh, everyone claims of being like the, 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 the source of truth. We don't want to be additional assets. So the true important part with our knowledge part, with our knowledge uh, feature is that it should be linked to technical assets. Um, the way we see it and the way we envision it as well is um, when you want to write your business glossary, when you want to have your KPI library, you don't know where the business logic lies. It can, it can lie in, in DBT, it can lie in your BI tool, it can lie in, in, in some dashboards. And when you're defining an active user, it's a mix of everything. So the idea that whenever you select a specific asset, will retrieve automatically the few neighbors' assets, so the children, the parents, so you get some context, will retrieve the few description from the different things. Then you can obviously edit, hide some dashboards, hide some parents that are not relevant. Make sure you have a proper definition with multiple assets that are the places that you should have a look at when you're looking for active user revenue. And it's not only one specific column in a table, a, dim, a, dim, a, a dimension table or a fact table, it's something that is highlighted with this concept of yeah, definition knowledge page. Uh, so it can be linked to a business side, but some of our users also use it as a how-to guide and they have a, they have an onboarding guide in that knowledge part. Um, so we do handle the hierarchy. So we have multiple use cases answered by, by that. Uh, but the important part is yeah, not recreating an asset on top of everything we've already done, starting from technical dashboards, tables, columns, fields um, in, in your stack. Awesome. All right, then we got a few questions over in the Q&A panel. Uh, the next two are from Karanthi. <clears throat> Excuse me. What's your competitive positioning in the market versus, for example, Calibra, Alation, Data.World, Atlant, et cetera? You What's your to, battle card? You want me to? <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I'm happy to. So, so. You know, there's a there's a there's a spot. Like Calibra, Alation, super powerful tools. When you get into deep governance, right? Deep governance use cases. You know, highly regulated industries where you've got very specific use cases that you need to tackle. That's logical. I think where we fit is um, we're a uh, super simple. Uh, data catalog that's built for adoption. And if I had to say there's one differentiator for Caster, it's exactly that. It's actually getting traction around using the data that lives inside of these, these companies. And what I would say is um, for companies that, you know, when I was at Calibra in particular, I found myself in a lot of conversations. And if you didn't have executive sponsorship, if you didn't have cross-functional buy-in across the business, if you didn't have an army of resources to like stand these things up, mm -hmm. and even if you did all of these things, uh, you know, driving a dot, that adoption piece was a was a was heavy to lift, mm -hmm. right? So what we want to do is we want to lower the barrier of entry to data, and we want it to be fast, simple, and, and understood by all. And that's that's our vision, and that's where where we're going. And you know, when you start thinking about the, the larger companies, like those require deployments. Like for us, you plug and play, off you go 30 minutes, right? So there's mm -hmm. no services. It's very simple to try. Um, and I'd encourage anyone who's considering a catalog to make sure you don't uh, operate in a vacuum and make a decision 
you know, in a vacuum. Like there are tools out there now that uh, are easy to use, are easy to stand up, are easy to try and invite the various teams and the various stakeholders to come in and participate in this because that's where the rubber meets the road. I can't tell you how many times I've seen companies spend years getting the, the stuff to a point, everything's in there, everything's documented, it looks great, but if it's not being used, it's kind of a waste of time for everybody. So cost, yeah. yeah, and it's just, you know, um, that's the other thing, like try, like if you already have a catalog, you know, you got to really look around and say, hey, is the adoption where I want it to be? And if it's not, like tools like Castor, you can extract all of this information in these tools that are already built and put it in another tool, right? So to, test, to test this kind of stuff. So um, I think that Castor is well positioned. I think we got a super bright future. And I think this concept of data enablement, data literacy, uh, data discovery is just critical to, to building a data-driven organization. And you can't get there if people don't know what they're looking at, what, what, you know, what things mean, how it's connected, who owners are. Like, it, it, there is a change management level there, and we want to make that change management level as simple as possible. So that's my, my two cents on it. That's your story, and you're sticking to it, huh? Yep, that's right. All right. Um, Kranthi's got one more question. Um, do you help create a semantic layer? That can be part of the, of the automation and our knowledge part. Um, we have some automation, especially if you're using a, a Looker or a BI tool that has some part of, um, of transformation layer. Uh, I mean, um, Power BI has one as well. Um, the idea is to retrieve the transformation from the warehouse, to retrieve the transformation wherever it lies and get a sense of the business logic. And the thing I was mentioning about active users, all those important concepts, we can't automatically define it for you, but at least we can see what's most commonly used, what's referenced a lot. Um, if there's a column that is central to a ton of dashboards where we know that column is super important. So we should highlight it and make sure it's well managed and, and get a sense of the, the business concept behind it. So we do provide some automation there, uh, but that lies afterwards in the, uh, in the knowledge part. But again, the idea is not to create another layer. We do believe there's already all the technical assets and all the technical agilities in the stack. I mean, the number of tools in data is already amazing. What we believe is bringing the context around it, but we don't want to be another layer in the uh, ETL BI process or ETL activation. There's already DBT is working greatly at that. Bringing the documentation, the context around it is super important. Bringing the tags, the ownership is super important, but we don't want to be another technical layer in the stack. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you. Uh, uh, so going off of the technical aspects of things, uh, Gab Tantex got another question. Um, what are the technical prerequisites for getting lineage in this fully automated way? What does the company so, need to do to be prepared to be able to automate this lineage? So most of the, all the lineage we have in Castor is SQL based. So all the transformation done in SQL are retrieved automatically once we get access to the query logs. Um, as Brian mentioned, it's only about the metadata and the query logs. So this means everything you've seen in the demo doesn't run your data uh, for compliance. Reason it's super important. So we know the name of the columns, we know the name of the tables, but we can't access any row within it. Um, and similarly for the lineage, we need to access the query logs and by parsing them, 
um, we can access to uh, what we can retrieve the lineage uh, and we do retrieve more than just the query logs uh, from, from some yeah, backward engineering, some comments, uh, some files from the SQL statement. We can retrieve a lot of lineage. And then on the BI tools from the API as well, uh, from linking what's being done on the BI tool what, to what's being done on the, on the data warehouse, this is fully automated. Now for what's behind the data warehouse for other types of languages that could do the transformation, we can ingest it, but we won't do it automatically. Uh, that's the, the idea. Great, great. And uh, yet another question from Dan Tan. Um, can Castor read and exploit queries being executed in Databricks from Python notebooks? Yes, so whenever the whenever something hits the warehouse in SQL, we'll read it, we'll parse it, and we'll retrieve it. So whenever, even if it's a Python script that runs and that is translated to SQL afterwards to query the database, uh, we'll have access to this and we'll be able to retrieve it with the user ID and the basically notebook ID. Uh, so we could potentially as well connect and retrieve the links between notebooks and what's being done in the notebook to the database, uh, the underlying database and the underlying table. Great, great, great. Um, and one last question that I'm seeing is in three phrases or less, no more, three phases or less, um, what are the Castor uh, differentiations compared to the other leading data catalog tools? Brian, you may have already hit on this, but now we would like a three-phase elevator, three, three <laughs> elevator pitch. Right? Yeah, I'd say lightning fast deployments. Um, I'd say adoption. And then I'd also say um, we meet customers where they are in their journey. So from a pricing perspective, right? Depending on if you're a small company, big company, or a big company wants to start small, we meet companies where they are and we grow in a value-based way, uh, in a way that's logical, that is around adoption versus licensing all this stuff up front and then trying to like retrofit it in and get all these users in. We we believe that, you know, like we understand the change management ch challenges there. So mm -hmm. I think that that's a, a critical uh, critical differentiator, particularly against a lot of the, the big vendors in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do love that, that uh, one comment you made there around value um, because back to my opening comments, I'm just not seeing the adoption. You know, people just are walking away from it. Um, I, part of that is we haven't positioned the value being produced. You know, what's in it for me kind of response, um, the value being produced by data catalogs and, you know, just data governance as, as a whole. So I love the um, taking that lean approach is like, you know, chase the economic value here. Right? Yeah, so you, you bring up a great point, right? Because it's like, I mean, the, the, you know, I talk to companies who are like, oh, we're too, it's too early for us. Mm. It's never too early for this. Mm. I mean, the longer you wait, the worse it gets. And, you know, those companies that are early, early on, they've got a great, great opportunity to just save, like, I don't even know how you quantify it. It's, it's significant. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I think that, yeah, it's just, you know, the, this getting people into the tool um, is so, so critical, but it is, it is change management. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody says, there's, there's a level of effort there. And 
I think that the problem that has been out, you know, you mentioned that you've seen, I've seen the same thing. You ask people, hey, how's it going with XYZ company? What's the adoption like? It's the number one question I'll ask. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, the answer is it's not where we want it. Right. right? So how, how can we shift that? And um, I think that's where, where Castor is really going to, really going to make a huge impact in the market. That's so great. And, and you guys, uh, both of you, uh, Tristan and Brian, you got some great kudos in chat there for an awesome job answering questions. So thank you. And thank you everybody out there for being so engaged and offering those questions. So, all right. Any final thoughts there before we turn it back over to Kalia, gentlemen? I'm all set on my end. All righty. This, this was awesome, gentlemen. Thank you so much. I, I feel like the, I, I agree with the, the comments in chat, the way that um, the questions were answered was awesome. But I have to tell you, we do these events all the time. And to see this many questions coming in, it shows that there's a great interest for your platform. Like we, I'm, I'm not just saying that because this is a lot of questions. So uh, we're <laughs> nice. Gab, Gab Tech Info is killing it today. Thank you for yeah. being so engaged. And so yeah. Brian and Tristan, thank you both so much for being here and sharing your platform with us. It's clear that you're up to something um, amazing and we can't wait to see what's next. We're happy to mm-hmm. be affiliated with you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for having us here. Thank you to everybody for asking such great great questions and thoughtful questions. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And if anyone has any, ever, any interest or wants to chat more, we are uh, more than happy to, to sit down and, and talk through use cases that you might be trying to solve for. Yep. And I'll tell you awesome. what, you know, we have a prediction here, gentlemen. Uh, yep, the Tech says uh, uh, she expects to see you in the top upper corner of the Forrester wave next year. <laughs> That's it. Well, we are Wonderful. on a call. I'll tell you that yeah. much. Yep. Well, it's got to feel good. That's great. All right. Well, if anybody has any more questions, or just like Brian said, they're willing to help out, talk through use cases, you can always um, go right through us at info at greatdataminds.com. And you can reach these gentlemen either that way or um, at casterdoc.com is where you can find them. And we look forward to seeing everybody at the next event. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, everyone. Yep. Thank Thanks, you. everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.